1: Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too hope you enjoy the new format
0: the coaches network bringing the game together
1: hey guys you're now listening to the coaches network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete talent and personal development my name is coach yas and i'm a ufa a licensed football coach coach developer and content creator i'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys their life lessons and how you can make an impact enjoy
2: I mean, it's an interesting conversation and this is one where I'm excited to even as people join just to get different thoughts I mean the question itself right you know is it wrong to base my session plans on specific players What, what what's your initial thinking on that you know before I share my own thoughts where are you thinking with regards to the question
3: yeah there's a couple of different perspectives that have I've kind of come into mind for me anyway I think first and foremost it's is the whole session designed around specific players, specific players and I think maybe where the question has come from is it looking at specific parts of the pitch or is it specific individuals if so what's the subsequent impact on that on the rest of the group or um, any and is there a right or wrong is it is there a time where it should maybe be focused around that back maybe how does it you know impact on the greater the greater program for the players that are in, in question if that makes sense there's a few different directions it can go really but I think for me um, if I was to answer the question with, with a simple answer it would be no I don't think there is wrong to base session plans on specific players I think if anything the fact that it's based on specific players means that it becomes a bit more dedicated and tailored for the individuals within the group now yes the flip side of that is that it it, it, it might not necessarily be catered for everyone but I think that's where the skill and the challenge of the coach comes in in terms of how effective you are within the craft of coaching to make it more relevant and more, more impactful for everyone, even though it's specifically designed around set players. Um, but also, equally, if it, even if it is set around set players, there's no reason why I can't stretch and challenge you as an individual to compete against that as well.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean... For me, the the question itself is it wrong? I'd say no. In fact, every session should be specific. It's an interesting debate. Like I know, um, Daniel, it'd be great to get your thoughts on this as well. Having come through the FAW, you know, I was fortunate to work with with a few people that have obviously been heavily involved in the Welsh FA coach education, and you know, we brought a lot of those ideas over in my last role in Morocco, and um, you know. A lot of people are familiar with the terms like general principles and specific principles um, and like a general practice and a specific practice, as some people like to call. And it was interesting because we had a debate about this in Morocco. We sort of said, well, should every practice be specific? And the answer we were coming to was yes, because I hear this a lot like people say, oh, I'm doing like a general activity or general principles or general practice meaning that it's like for everyone we're going to cover global topics and it's not area specific there's no field geography pitch geography specific there's no individual considerations for players and to me I'd almost like being devil's advocate as a parent I'd be going well why is my kid going to a session if, if there's not something in there planned for him so I think the duty of the coach and for a lot of coaches who start out it's quite hard to conceptualize it and understand because the biggest one of the biggest areas a lot of coaches struggle with is organisation you know how do we organise the practice to to basically make sure one it's organised to get out the the goals that we've set right in whatever the topic is whatever the focus of that session is but within that organisation for me there's got to be individual considerations for Ideally, if you're a master coach, obviously you're thinking about every individual player, even if you just work at the basic level, grassroots, or even uh, you know, higher development, competitive academy, whatever. For me, it would then be what one or two individuals are you really going to like laser focus in on? You'll design practices or activities that will stretch and challenge everyone, you know, and some will be facilitative, right? And some will be. Where they're all getting a repetition of something, like meaningful repetitions, but within that same individual practice, let's say we're working on how we build our attack, we're working on possession game, we've got this, you know, six v four activity or whatever it may be. Then, you know, within that, how are you having a consideration for Johnny, who typically struggles at dealing with uh, pressure from behind, and when the ball arrives to him how you can hold that ball up and bring people into the game or recognizing that johnny might need to get better at finishing one-on-one against the keeper but everyone else needs to work at their their decision making the touch how we're breaking lines finding the free player so in that same practice everyone's getting a touch of everything you know you've designed a practice around breaking lines right and the, the focus on that touch and how do we find the free player with the free player and we build up. But then within that, as we get to a certain area, could it be that Johnny gets, you know, because of the design of the activity, he's getting that one-on-one against the keeper. So once he's thrown goal or anyone's through, there's a time constraint or whatever that you've put on it so that they get to finish against the keeper. Because that might be his individual goal. Or it might be that like you need to get your goalkeeper better at dealing with the ball from back passes. So, how can you find ways to incorporate the keeper um, within your sessions? So you're making it specific to them. It could be that one player, you know, typically, you know, a lot of players have a foot dominance, don't they? You know, especially the the top players. But again, like recognizing moments, how can we finish? Well, we we can't. We don't always have that time to cut it back onto our right. You might have to, you know try and get something off on your left or whatever. Well, could you put an activity in or even a condition or a rule that rewards players for attempts, for tries? So if they do get that shot off on the left foot, they're rewarded, they're incentivized. So it's that try, you know, so there's no fear of failure and getting it wrong. You know, there's a reward for doing something that's out of the out of the norm. So for me, you know, to answer that question would be, yeah, every practice it's not wrong to make it specific. If anything, every practice should be specific. I think for the coaches listening, is how can you be really good at getting the sort of brilliant basics right, if you like, in terms of designing an activity way. Even if it's just getting really good at, do you know what? I'm running a team session, but I want to make sure that I hold myself accountable and. Ava or Johnny, whoever that player is, by the end of that session, I've stretched them in, in line with their needs. I've improved the the whole team or the team concept, but we've got really better at like that player, whatever that thing was. I've given a couple of examples. And I know you have. You know they've got better at it, and then I think from there you can grow as a coach because then once you get good at maybe doing one, then can you maybe stretch yourself and go, okay, can I focus on two players now? Can I focus on three? And then as you get even better, perhaps it's then really thinking about like how am I tailoring my coaching interventions to specific players. So that again, I'm basing my session, I'm actually thinking about the types of questions that I'm gonna ask specific to the players that I'm working with. Because some players, like a Dan had said at Rochdale, I always remember, used to be he used to hate. Being fr- like frozen, you know, like the freeze, or or even just sometimes drive-by coaching for him, hated it because he just felt like there was too much going on in the game, and he preferred being in the game. Whereas, so he would prefer more terminal-type coaching, where you're coaching him at the end of the break, right during the water breaks, or whatever. Whereas another player, it might be something else. So, I think then it's you're getting those individual considerations, right, Yaz, around that. And, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that or even anyone in the room listening. Yeah,
3: I think there's a lot in there, to be honest. and uh, You know, from the individual consideration in terms of how you make it specific about the interventions, the type of questions that you ask, do you know that there's certain players that you've got to ask certain questions to before you even start the session? Is that part of your plan? <clears throat> in other cases, you've got situations where, you know, through experience with those players that actually... They respond better to certain interventions than others one of the key things that I look at especially when I'm planning my interventions and looking at how I in, in, interact with the players in that respect is I'm quite um I'm quite observant early on around who doesn't mind being in my demos who prefers to watch them and who prefers just to listen. you know who can who can actually just respond to my instructions so just you know looking at not not necessarily what is their dominant learning style in particular but actually how do they tend to learn in my environment? What's the preferred method of learning in my environment? And not to say that they're limited to doing that only, but in my environment, these, this is this you know, it's based on X Y Z evidence, if you like. So I think those bits are really key. So what's quite interesting. Is when I announced this topic earlier on this this evening, one of my players actually um, got in touch with me, said said to me the best session I did with the team that he was work he was a part of at the time when I was working with them was. Actually focusing on him exclusively as a winger, which is really interesting to get perspective on you know he, he his perspective was that he thought it would be better actually doing more player specific sessions rather than um, full team based generic type of sessions. I, you know all I can imagine is the reason is that it's more depth than than breadth. And from, from the individual that's, you know, at the heart of that, they're probably getting a lot more value out of it. And I think that, you know, there's, just, there's definitely a consideration there, but also playing devil's advocate, similar to what you said, you know, if I was a parent looking in on this, table, how does this fit in for my parent, or my player, sorry, or my son or my daughter? And I think the bigger question to ask is, well, or well, to highlight is, well, your son or daughter is not always going to be at the heart of everything that happens. <laughs> Therefore, if they're not always at the heart of everything that happens... They're going to have to learn to not be at the heart everything that happens. Um, so, yeah, there's a few different considerations there. don't know what your thoughts are or not. Tony, you got
2: anything you want to add on that? No, I'd agree. I just wanted to, just quickly, and it, it's great to get everyone's thought, definitely Tony's as well, experience. And even Johnny, who's actually coming you know, from rugby, to so be going to get a different perspective as well. The other thing I'd add on to that is that I agree with the... Making it as as personal as possible, you know, there should almost be this phrase where how can we create these personalised experiences for players? Because otherwise, the danger we come is that we put on all these activities, but actually how much of it was relevant to them? So some people just put on these, I hate the word drill, but they'll put on a drill for a drill or a, a practice for a practice or whatever because they think, oh, that looks good or whatever, it makes me look good. And some of these might be flowing quite well, but then by the end of it, has that helped so-and-so get better at dealing with like heading and and, and like how to get better at defensive heading? If that's something that you need to get better at or whatever. I, I always remember, I'll use this example. There was a boy that we released at one of the clubs, I won't say which one, and um, it was not a told-you-so moment. I'm not doing it for that. I'm just using it as an example because we, we all make collective mistakes, right? At the time, I felt we shouldn't have released him. Anyway, long story short, we ended up releasing this kid, and it was hard. Uh, this was sort of in the initial stages of EPPP, when EPPP came in in 2012, and um, we will just getting into the sort of process of documenting stuff and, you know, having rationales and things like that and having everything evidenced. And I remember the, the conversation with the parents and say, hey, we're going to release a kid, blah, blah, blah. And they had a blooming good counter-argument because I'm using that defensive heading because that was one of the things. We're releasing this defender that he's not good enough at positioning, his marking, heading, can't head the ball, do this, do that. And the mum actually came back and said, how much of the practices, because the mum was at everything, how many of the practices have you actually worked on this? Have you worked on some of these things? And the reality was nothing, like none. A lot of the practices were very much possession-based, working on a lot of attacking stuff, which we were guilty of, right, because of the curriculum that we had and we were sort of enforced to, to uh, put out there, if you like. But then we've released this kid because he's not good enough for X, Y, Z. Well, the mum and dad can come back at us and go, yeah, but I'm watching your sessions. You've never once worked on that with him or even given him any resources to – do you know what I mean? So I think you're what you're on You're on about there is good. And that phrase, like breadth versus uh, depth – let's try and design stuff where we can actually go deep on stuff versus trying to cover everything and make sure that if the kid's walking away from the practice, have they really got out what they need? You know, are we making an impact or are we just yeah. filling time? Because I think often a lot of the sessions, we're just I, I think, filling I time, You've got 90 really, minutes or an hour, so just, a little we're just side filling it. I
3: think it's not just going through the <laughs> breadth versus depth, but it's also recognising that um, as coaches, not all of that breadth and not all of that depth needs to be covered on an on-field session is what is the stuff that you're doing away from that as well and the biggest thing that, you know, that, I, think that I kind of bang on a lot about in, in my coaching and, and to coaches that I work with is how much clarity have you got in your communication and how much clarity have you got in, in your in the understanding of, of your players as well so just because I've done something doesn't mean it's had the desired impact just because I haven't done something doesn't mean they don't already know it and then it's just like you said, you know, you've got that situation where if, play, if parents are attentive and they're actually recognizing what's going on and actually mindful of what you're delivering with their, with their, you know, with their children, essentially. Where's your, you know, where, 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 can you definitely go back to a point and say actually we gave that player enough support on that, and ultimately, you know, the the, the reality is you're never gonna have the answer to this question. But if there was enough support given, why haven't they still not achieved it? Was it through their own fault, or was it through a lack of lack of competency of the coach, which I know can be you know, quite a controversial thing to say, I guess, but it's just for me, our, our coaches hold, coaches holding themselves accountable enough around the outcomes and the and what and what they're managing to achieve with the players they've got. You know, you hear all the time about the play coaches who talk about the players that they've coached they have gone on to do well, but actually, you probably had ten. Hundreds more that you've probably been part of that haven't gone on, and yes, it's not it's not it's not impossible. You, know, you can't polish a turn at the end of the day, but yeah, but in most cases, you've got situations where players have been let down, and coaches in some cases have not been good enough to support them. So just a side note. Um, but Tony, good evening, man. How are you?
4: Yeah, I'm all right,
3: thanks. Uh, yes, uh, good evening, everybody.
4: Um, it's interesting because the final point there that. That Gerard was making is something that I've not only been guilty of, but I've spoken about quite a lot, both on here and and away from here, on other bits and pieces. You know, you release using that same example, releasing a player for he's not very good at defending in wide areas, and then you look back over what sessions you've actually delivered, um, and you you find you've done seventy five percent attacking small sided games. Kind of thing, uh, I and mean, you know we have been guilty at times of, of letting players down, and then making those bland release statements um, without actually questioning ourselves: have we provided that player with all the tools that he needs in his toolbox? Um, but but going back to the the sort of the, the the title of the of the Twitter space when I first saw it pop up um, earlier on this afternoon. I kind of thought, I must have read it wrong at first. I thought, "Hmm." so I'm going to do my session tonight for um, little Johnny when I've got 17 other players. But then I read it again and I thought, do you know what? Uh, And this is not me trying to blow my own trumpet. Uh, All of my sessions are based on specific groups rather than specific players because we work to a curriculum which doesn't prioritise the development of one area over another. It doesn't prioritise one area of the pitch over another. Um, And whilst the focus of any particular session, for example, playing out from the back, would primarily focus on maybe the goalkeeper and the back three or the back four, depending on your system – your, if you if you use your forwards in opposition there the focus isn't on them but actually what they do is important if you were doing it uh, let's say you had your, your only 11 players turn up and you were working on playing out from the back there's no reason why you couldn't involve your forward players in playing out from the back in terms of their positioning in relation to where the ball is so I think that unless you are just putting on a game and throwing down a ball and saying, right, crack on. And then you float from one area of the pitch to another. It's, it's absolutely vital that you base your session plan around specific units, uh, rather than specific individual players. Some of those players within that unit might require more of your time than others, but that's, down to how well you know your players and how well you know your team, in my opinion.
2: So, Tony, on that one there where you're talking about small groups or units, how do you individualise it So, to get out that individual focus? Because obviously, we're looking at how you can make it as specific as possible to what they need to be able to, let's say, operate in that unit or operate in those small group relationships. How do you still individualise it whilst planning for little groups, as you said?
4: I think for me, it's 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 either playing playing players in their position with the players who play near them in a game in, in the right spaces, Um. Or, or a little bit of tinkering with pitch geography, you know. In the old days, um, on the UEFA B, for example, you would maybe use you wouldn't use the full width of the pitch. You'd use from one touch line to the back post, or you know a particular area. But I, I think that by putting the players in the positions that they're going to play in, with the players that they're going to play with around them. More often than not, you would be able to, your, your feedback's still going to be individualised. And and I guess your start positions and what kind of pressure you put them under within the session would lead you to be able to bring out the coaching points that you think that they need. Um, so that's probably the way that
2: I'd go about it. Yeah, I was going. I was thinking then, just listening, that situational learning. Like, how much are we designing this stuff where it looks like the situations they're going to be in, the relationships they're going to be in, um, the actual area of the field that they're going to be in, the pitch geography? Especially like, not everyone's got access to all the facilities, or maybe you know they might only have a third of a third or whatever. But you can still design practices where you're making the the relevance or the reference to where they will be on the pitch and how it relates to their game. Um, so, yeah, I was just just listening to you there. I was thinking situational learning. How much do we do that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I know, for for example, this week we've had to rearrange um, one of the teams, one of the girls' teams has had to rearrange a game. So, I know that on Thursday night with my under-15s group, for example, I've literally got a sixth of the pitch. I've got half of a third. Now, if I've got 17 players to turn up, I need to... I need to tweak my practice design to, to, to try and maximise ball rolling time, to try and maximise um, the right situations. Uh, and again, sometimes it, being old has its advantages because I've been put in most situations over the last 20 years of coaching where I can either adapt on the fly or you know I've got something in the locker that I can put on for that particular practice
2: Perfect and Daniel anything from you your end just some of your experiences and maybe what you're doing at Cardiff
5: Two seconds I'm just getting in the house it was uh, great to listen to you the guys in the car around the sort of stuff that you're doing um, at your clubs and one thing Again, just going back to, I guess, the, the the topic of conversation is one thing we do a lot of, or one thing we're trying to be better at, I guess, is sort of co-coaching. Um, you talk about sort of, Tony just mentions, the in and out of possession there. We, one coach does the in possession, one coach does the out possession. Um, and that's one of the major things that we're trying to get better at as a club. Um, and then probably the other thing then around sort of being really specific in terms of the way that um, we do things. We we have the, the the sort of luxury, I guess, of having two coaches and then we might get one or two um, younger boys come up and sort of, I guess, not interns, but want to be a part of it and help out. So we're able to bullseye, I could say the word bullseye, but work individually with players while the session's going on. Um, two, three, four players are getting really individual specific detail around what they're doing within the practice, be that terminally, be that fly-by, be that drive-by. So we're able then to give them real specific detail in the moment when things are going on, if you know what I mean. Um So that's where we're trying to go as a club, really, I guess.
2: That's good to hear because, again, like I saw this the other day, we, I mean, we do a lot of it even at the club I'm with now, we'll, we'll talk about like opposition coaching and we'll co-coach within the group where you've got two or more coaches working together, but then also having coaches coach against you. So I like it a lot, especially if you can almost design the problems or create the problems that you want the team to try and outplay, if you like, which will make it as game-like as possible. So I think that's huge. And then obviously, as you say, you can get the individual specific detail within that. So, if we're, we're setting up the opposition to play within a certain way and press us in a certain way or defend in a certain way, and then it's how do we outplay in those areas? You can also individualise it where you put in certain variations, you know, certain players against certain people. Yeah. And it's all right, how do you deal with this scenario? So, if the opposition do this, they mark you in this way, or they have this defensive organisation, how do we outplay that? So, I think that's
5: pretty good yeah and 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 one of the things we we're quite big on a, at the moment as well is trying to be um trying to be sort of getting the better players playing with the better playing against the better players so again there's that real challenge around sort of the the right level of challenge I guess and then the support then is is where we is where we come into that in terms of trying to give ideas or trying to sort of ask the right questions to allow the players then to come up with the solutions themselves instead of us just being constantly telling them what to do. Um, So that's another big thing. So say, for example, in 1v1s, we'll we'll put the strong players against each other to allow them to to really test themselves, to give them that real level of challenge to, again, the intensity goes through the roof once they know what they're playing against, whereas if they're playing against Sort of um, motivation I guess so again that comes into it as well there's, there's a whole variety of different things that we can talk about around this topic and it's a really good topic to be fair guys to pick
2: No thanks it's Sharon, appreciate it Anything from you Yaz or, or anyone else in the room you know Paul or James, Johnny, you know, working in a different sport. Any, anything anyone else wants to add? Just,
4: can I just pick up on that bit that Daniel uh, made there about um, playing the best against the best? I think that's when you're working in academy football. I think that's a, you know, it's really easy to do because they're, you know, they're mainly. Of a of a of a level, whereas at grassroots, obviously where I'm working now, it, it's a lot harder to do. I think the other thing that that can make it difficult, but but not impossible, is that if if everybody's involved in all your training sessions, that that they all kind of know the answers. And this goes to a, a a point that that Yaz has made a couple of times, I think, on on different Twitter spaces. They all they all know the answers, and you know when you when you ask the question, they'll they'll it'll come back at you as, as part of a list. But actually, this will be the time when you get to see who has taken it in or who can deal with with that situation, rather than just spilling back a load of a load of words. This is this is the proof in the pudding. Now,
3: can you actually do it? Tony, I think that's a fantastic point. And you know, I think, you know, one, one thing, I'll again, I don't want to be controversial, but one thing I'll challenge coaches and i really challenge them on is be accountable. So I, I feel a lot of the time when coaches ask those questions where they're trying to get a list reeled off for themselves, it's actually from insecurity. I think it's actually from insecurity and ego and understanding that actually if the players tell me what I want to hear, then I can satisfy myself as a coach that I've done a good job. But actually, when you start asking the real question to really get them to check their understanding and clarify their understanding, then you might have put yourself in a bit of a a bit of a pickle. Especially, you know, you know, we talked earlier in this conversation here about when coaches are telling players they've been released for X, Y, Z reason. This this is this is the time where you get to really assess. Well, did I give them X, Y, Z reason to stay in the building? So just a bit of a side note on what's been said so far. I don't know what you want. If there's anything you want to add on to that, Jared.
5: Can I just come in on Yaz's point there? Just just around that point, Yaz. Um, one of the things that I think is is really sort of important there is is the real questions, is what are the real questions? I think one of the things when, when you do get, I call them buzzwords, you get back at you sort of what do we do this week, or what how could you sort of answer the question to what's being asked of you is is the is why? Is what what why, what, how? And give them real and ask for detail because I think that's really important because again we get buzzwords but I think asking sort of give me detail is something that's really important and then like you said you see the players then, Antonio made the point of you see the players then who actually have learned and who have the understanding is coming from asking for real detail instead of it just being words, lines, lists like you said in terms of if they give me real detail then I know learning's taken place or as they starting to
3: take place, if you know what yeah, I mean. I think it's spot on. I think, you know, for me, you know, just to elaborate on that and give you some context, what those real questions could look like. It is the whos, the whys, the hows, rather than the whats. It is the woulds, the wills, the mites, rather than the is and the did. Do you know what I mean? And the can. So I think yeah. it's just, it just really going to that depth of. Again, we're talking about that word, you know, that whole concept of depth versus breath Again, go right, right to the core of things to make sure that players are really given that real detail, and not not because you're challenge, challenging them in a, say to, in a way to see whether they know the detail necessarily, but more you just you want to know what they understand, what what can they, what can they articulate back to you if the, if at all necessary, and even beyond that, you know, if the time allows and resources allows and the and the, and the situation you're in allows it, get them to demonstrate it for you. It doesn't always have to be in a post-session debrief. I mean, I've got a, I was having a conversation with coaches a couple of weeks back and I was just saying that for me. If you're waiting to the end of your session to do a quote-unquote debrief to assess whether the players have learned what you wanted them to learn, you've missed the boat. You should be checking in on that constantly throughout the session to the point where when you're getting to the end of the session, they're just summarising the key messages and even challenging you around what's next rather than you just you know, ticking off a list as as, as we've described it. To say, yeah, we've done this, this and this. Okay, that's great. We've done this and this. But how are you going to apply it? If we've done this and this, that's the key bit. How are you going to apply it? When might this? When might this be useful to you? Yes, I know we learned about passing and finishing today. Or yes, I know we learned about combinations today. Or we learned about playing up from the back. But what might be the challenges with, with the way that we looked at? It? What might be the what might be the, the pros and cons of it? And just looking at different ways just to expand their thoughts on it. Obviously, don't spend your whole session asking questions, but. Think about the questions you're going to ask and what value they're going to add as well.
5: Yeah, like one, one, of, the, one of the ways that we challenge learning around sort of how we've done things is, is also on an ana- analysis sessions. Again, I know that comes from a, a place of sort of privilege, I guess, of working in the environments that I work in, but we're able to use analysis sessions to, to get the boys to really check and challenge their learning. Um, it's something that's a really big tool that we use in in Saturday morning sessions we have we, we have half hour dedicated to analysis, which again allows the boys to really sort of I guess show their knowledge to us um and show that they've taken on learning or taking on what we've asked them to do over the over the week, for example, yeah.
3: on the theme that we've yeah. done. Or even, even prepping them for the week ahead. But I think, you know, something that's just got you really, really uh, noted on that, Dan, I think, it's f- first of all, I think it's fantastic that you guys are doing it. Obviously, you're in an environment where it's easily accessible and it's very feasible to get it done. And it's probably con- conscious and deliberate, dedicated time for it. But I also don't want coaches who are not working in an environment to think that there's any excuses for them not to be able to. I mean, every single environment now... I mean, the amount of VO cameras or Pixlr or whatever other platforms that they use to get their games recorded now, they're all over the place. They're everywhere. So it's, it's not like it's not achievable. I get it from a standpoint of maybe time and being able to dedicate appropriate time to it. But then this is where, as a coach, you can you can do yourself some favours. And if you're deliberate and intentional, I think there there is, there is the resources, there is the support, there is the mechanisms that you can put in place to get as much support for your players as possible in that respect. So I think... Definitely a, a, not, a note worth making. I'm not sure if you if you could share any experiences or any other insights from yourself, Gerard. How do you guys do things over in the States at the moment, Gerard? In
2: terms of?
3: Just in terms of that, that, that you know, that off-field piece around analysis or even just generally, you know, is there, is there a, a view to how you guys deliver sessions across the board for the club and whether specific players are targeted in that process or whether, you know... It's a similar approach to what Tony said in that, you know, all the sessions are going to be themed. So by nature, they're going to be naturally linked to certain players in certain parts of the pitch anyway.
2: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think you'll probably achieve a lot of these things irrespective anyway, right? By putting on an activity, if it's organised and you put people into... We're quite fortunate, we've got 10 multi-sport pitches, um all-turf pitches, so, everything's lined up. So, we have 11 aside side lines on the pitch. We have 7v7 and 9v9. Um, all the coaches who coach 11 aside side upwards all have a minimum half a pitch, sometimes more. And then, obviously, all the other teams, they all have the natural lines. So, every session, we... Uh, really there should be no excuses to be honest with the coaches is everything's um, all field geography specific because we've got the space so we're able to put on sessions that look like the game put them in their areas Um, sometimes we'll coach against each other, we'll do opposition coaching, co-coaching against each other, we'll have individuals targeted, I say to the coaches just get really good at focusing on Daniel used the word bullseye and I used to use that um, before, and then I've, I've, I'm now talking about laser because over here they didn't understand what bullseye meant, so we just said laser focus on one, two, three players max in every session. So we have that where um, we'll, we'll organise the teams in terms of the right shapes, um, and everything has to have a clear shape in it, organisation. No matter what the activity is, small-numbered or... More game like, if it's more of an attack me defence type stuff, everything's clearer organization within the shapes. And then within that, we would focus on, as I say, one to three players max in everything. And then the coaches are held accountable. But we've also started doing stuff where we've asked the players beforehand, like, How can I help you today? So the kids will write on the whiteboard and they'll also ask for certain individual coaches. So there's been times where, you know, as the DOC like a head of coaching, I've walked up and some players have pulled me out and gone like, hey, can you work with me today? And other players will ask for other coaches or they'll ask for certain objectives. And then by the end of it, the coaches will talk and the, the, the players will give us feedback and they're ruthless and they'll say like, hey, you know, I got this out of the session today or no, I didn't. Um, and we're fortunate we have cameras, so we VO, like you said, like the two games I'm at now, we've got the VO cameras up, Um, We've got indoor classrooms, so we'll have people go inside. Sometimes I'm trying to get them to frame the session as well. So frame the session beforehand, use the classroom, get them to meet early, show them individual clips from the game and clips that are examples around what we're working on, like good practice as well as um, animation of what the session looks like and why we're achieving those outcomes and asking the players beforehand and then... We'll obviously share the session plan beforehand as well, um, or at least try to, so the players can really get to see what they're working on and then within that, what their individual objective is and then go out onto the pitch. Um, It's not always possible, but some of our teams were actually able to do that, go in, frame it before, then go onto the pitch, and then, as I say, everything's pitch-specific. And now what I'm finding is I'm I'm trying to mentor the coaches in just being better at their organisation, but more now, it's like the individual detail that comes out of the mouth. So, how's the feet you know, how can we ask better questions? Um, how can we ask questions that develop high level thinking? And then, if you know, when we need to be direct, how can we be direct but uh, really paint a clear picture with the players? So, we're offering that support that they need, it's not ambiguous. Um, because I think that's where we're you know, at times where we fall down is it's either the information we're given isn't as detailed enough for what the kids need. Um, It's almost like playing and even the questions is a little bit like low level thinking questions. So we're like playing bingo and then they'll say the right answer. That's not really thinking. Do you know what I mean? They're just regurgitating. And then how old do we plan for, you know, what we said before, how old do we plan for individuals around how best they might prefer to take on board information or in this particular experience, how they want to receive it. So with some of my stronger coaches, without going off on one, um, I'm able to push them a little bit further, more experienced staff. And with them, they're now thinking about like how and when they give feedback, but also who dictates that information. Because normally it's always the coach who stops it, freezes it, or tells or whatever, right, we would agree. Whereas we're trying to create environments where the players come to us first. So the players start that interaction and the players speak first and last in every interaction, which is throwing a few people off. So that's how we're trying to do it. And then, of course, we'll use the VO. Um, Over here, it's quite big because in the US, it's very big on like college soccer. Everyone wants to play high school or college. So eventually they'll come to a point where they're, they're using those clips for their own individual use, right? to then share to college coaches or whatever to you know hopefully get get some of the offers which would be like playing pro in England um that's how it that's how it works if that helps
3: yeah definitely i think it's just you know just interesting to obviously get different perspectives and you know as you well know you know working in different parts of the world obviously people have different perceptions of what it should or could look like um so it's just really interesting but again even even in that setting still using stuff that's accessible to grassroots environments in terms of the VO. And, you know, if, you know, if you're a coach listening to this in grassroots, you know, there's also a lot of people out there, if you haven't got a VO accessible to your club, actually you could go and there's a lot of people actually renting them out to come and get the games recorded. So there is different ways to do it. Even in training, just pull out your, pull out your, pull out your phone and just record a piece of training and see if there's any bits that you can pick up. But, you know, come, without moving too far away from the topic of the conversation, in terms of planning sessions for your specific players, I mean, I think for me, you know if the the overarching thing is I don't think it is wrong I think I think it's actually spot on in some ways and you know if you look at it from a different perspective than the one that Tony's presented is by by the nature of obviously planning sessions in different parts of the pitch and different themes you' are naturally gonna you know have specific players targeted at each of the sessions anyway whether whether or not you highlight them specifically or explicitly so I think there's definitely um definitely a place for it it's just being considerate deliberate and intentional around whether or not you're aware of the specific players that you're targeting and whether you're just giving generic information in that respect. But yeah, I don't know if there's
2: anything you want to add there. Do you know a random one, actually, something pretty cool. So in Morocco, and again, different contexts, you're talking more elite, you've got players that are coming to the national team that will, some will play at like your lower league clubs like Valenga or, not their lower, but teams that are playing in like Norway, Sweden, whatever, right, And certain, maybe the Orindivisie in Holland or you've got like the Verkals Liga, you've got people in Finland and so forth um, or Elite Serie, which is obviously Norway. But then we would have players in like PSV, um, Chelsea came to the, world well, we had, we um, had, the goalkeeper in some of our national teams was there for the under-17s, under-20s, was at Chelsea, West Ham, Everton, so forth, right? And full enough, in Morocco, it really interesting, um, the players at the national team level, they would actually design with the coach the activities. They'd be involved in the pra- the practice design, so co-designing with the players. And that was taken to another level, but they would actually be really heavily invested in what their clips look like, what's going on at the clubs. There'd be that relationship and communication between the clubs as well. They would obviously uh, know what they're doing. They'd review their own games. And then a bit like uh, Gundawan, that famous video that's done the rounds on Twitter, but they would actually sit down with, I still remember it now, Sergio, and anyone I encourage you to look him up. He's working at Saudi Arabia now with the under-23s um, national team. Sergio, outstanding coach, Spanish, and he used to sit with, for hours with the coach uh, with the players, and the players were like the coaches. And we end up using this on our courses where we said, like, because um, some of the clubs at the grassroots level and even some of the academies in Morocco, they'd say, "Oh, we haven't got the money, we haven't got analysts, or whatever," and we were able to flip it and go, "You've got 11 analysts on the team, you know, you've got whatever your roster, you know, format of the game is." These players, they, they can be your analysts. Like they can learn and they can see the game, they're playing the game, help them become more game responsive. And we have these players actually designing the activities with the coach and being involved in those discussions of like, we're going to do this midfield unit, beating the block here. Where do I need to be? What are some of the movements I need to create? Well, what if we move the counter goal here? Because that'll relate to me playing in tack number 10. Or like They were actually involved in that. I think that's awesome. So the players will becoming more like coaches. And um, Now, to me, the question will then become, how could you do that in your environment? If you haven't got those intelligent players, or you haven't got those um, resources, we well, could still do it there's still a way that you could co-design. It's find out, like, ask them questions of, you know, what makes playing fun for them? Like, why do they play soccer? What are some of the positions that they typically play? And then think about, well, what rules could we introduce? might even be live during the session. Like, I've done that before where I've said things like, um, how can we make this more challenging? And the players will come up with better challenges than maybe what I've got as a coach. That's where I stole all my best ideas. You know, they'd go. Oh, well, what if we do? You know, number of passes equals number of goals, or whatever. If we do that, they'll come up with it. And at least then, it gets them thinking about connecting that why. That I know you always talk about. yes you know, like what's the relevance to me? Why are we doing this? That clarity that you mentioned before with Tony. To me, I think it achieves that. You know, the more we can involve the players in that co-design, um, the more we're going to get them to really make sense of why we're doing what we're doing in the sessions um, so yeah just to add on to that Tony sorry I saw your hand up I don't want to take away from you
4: no I've I kind of changed my mind a little bit but I'll throw it in now anyway since you came back to me just going back to what I was saying before with regard to the different units in the different areas of the pitch if if people want to see it I'll, I'll share our um, syllabus that we use I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to post it Um because I actually think that although it, it's something that I've brought out of academy football with me, I'm now doing it with uh, with my grassroots club. Uh, and we're doing these Monday night carousel sessions, uh, which we've only just started, where we're getting the players in. It's, it's a voluntary thing, so it, it's it's a little bit hit and miss because it means that we're teaching what we want to teach to some players within the team, but they're not all obliged to turn up. But But I do believe quite solidly that it's something that whether you're coaching uh, an under 9s grassroots team or a men's senior team playing at at whatever level that that you can adapt it to your own needs and you know once you get once you get the the principles embedded within your players those questions that we all feel that we need to ask or we sometimes definitely need to ask when we're training don't come up quite so much because you've covered it either using video, PowerPoint, whatever, whatever, to to get those principles embedded. And then when we go out onto the pitch, you will start to see the transfer. And what I'm starting to see now, even after only three weeks of doing it is we've gone from maybe four people turning up on a Monday night to six or seven turning up and, it, it's gradually, you know, words getting out within amongst the players. Actually this is not too bad on a Monday night, you know we talk through this, that and the other. What I've asked the players to do, or the coaches of the teams, is on a after we've played on a Saturday morning, come get your players or you as a coach, come to me with one thing in possession and one thing out of possession that that you need better understanding of that's just happened in your game. So it's fresh in their minds then on a Monday night, I'll sit down with the tactics board, Sabutio um, table, whatever we've got to hand, and we'll go through it with them. And, and if necessary, get the players to move the pieces around. So, they're again, they're involved in their own learning.
2: No, I'm glad you actually shared that. I'm glad you didn't uh, miss it out. I think that's a great one. I- I love it just to see it, you know, when you share on Twitter. And I like that lasting piece, like even just involving the players, moving the markers versus always us, or moving the Sabuti or whatever. So brilliant. I love it. Has anything you want to add, or if anyone else wants to add anything for the good of the room? Yeah, just,
3: just, just, I want to take a last piece, really. I mean, something, sharing experience of what I did recently with a few players. um, I did an off-tall coaching task with um, a squad of a squad of players under 15s and 16s. And um, in this in this one, it was always just, just to kind of get them used to the idea of it, also also a grassroots setting. I had all the players basically get together 30 minutes, send them some clips in advance just to review, um, gauge some perceptions, gauge some ideas and understanding around the concept of penetration as an example, right? And what I did with them is similar, similar to what Tony said, you know, get the you out. But what I did with them was, split them up into smaller groups get them to kind of um, discuss it amongst each other around what their understanding is of that and then they would then have to present back to the other groups and the other groups were allowed to ask questions and probe on what their understanding was just to get you know really again it was a fascinating exercise just to see where the players are on types of questions they might come up with themselves and what kind of pitfalls they might end up falling into amongst each other um but off the back of that, I had another, you know, another great idea came from it was that a smaller task, you maybe have small groups of four, whatever the concept is, someone's got to, try, they've all got to come up with like a definition or an explanation of it. And the person who can almost, it's almost like Chinese whispers in a sense, but the person who can make their definition last the longest where, so for instance, if I say explain something to you, Gerard, you'll have to make a decision as to whether you're going to stick with my definition or you think your one's better. Now, if I can convince you that my one's better and you stick with it, I get a point. And they work it up and basically by the end of it, you see, right, who's got the best understanding and the most agreeable understanding around different concepts as well. Just a little bit of a sign note. I know it's slightly different from the topic itself of the conversation that we're having tonight. But I thought it would be a great uh, thing to add on to what Tony said as well in terms of checking and challenging and understanding and different ways in which we can support players in those environments. Conscious of time. I,
4: Gerard... um, I don't know if you any...
3: What was that tone? I was going to say, but I think
4: Gerard's had a red card on the side yeah, of his. Possibly. <laughs>
3: <He's> a... <laughs> and a Marco Silva. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, no, I think, you know I'm, I'm <laughs> conscious of time. As as Gerard, if there's anything you wanted to add to that, but um, I'll, I'll, no, I'll just good. I wanted to add a note and say that you know it's good to see there's some new faces in the room as well. So you know, guys that have joined us for the first time, please make sure you join us, follow us. And we're here every Sunday on different conversation topics. So obviously, feel free to get involved and share some insights because there is always some great experience in the room. Um, and Um Maybe not as much shared, reflective of what's available to us in the, in the room as well. So definitely please make sure you're following us and joining us going forward. Gerald, over to you, man.
2: Oh, good. Brilliant. I think it's been great. Really good discussion. Great to see different people. I love the ideas for me, different perspectives. So I look forward to next weekend, you know, I hope everyone has a great rest of the weekend and hopefully try some of these things, I think that's the best thing is like anything that's new or different or you might already be doing it but you want to try it in a different way, just be creative and try it, try it in your practices try it in midweek, you know, at the games, Um what's the worst that can happen, you know, and just get more experiences of doing different things and, and thinking differently and, you know, trying to create better experiences for our players so really appreciate everyone who's you know, joined in today because it, it's a huge commitment to the the environment we're trying to create
3: Def- most definitely guys and if you haven't caught the full conversation it will be available to you on the Coaches Network podcast um, so please feel free to check that out um, it will be released every Wednesday you'll see there's episodes coming out every Friday as well and myself and Joe and obviously over the last few months we run a few webinars um, which have been accessible, by, it's accessible to all and there'll be a few more coming out over the next few months, so keep an eye out on our pages for those as well. And Gerald, I don't know if you just want to sign off with a little note around you learn BLE and where they can access that.
2: Yeah, feel free just to click on the the you are, um, the tag, so you learn with, with a Twitter handle and find out more about some of the courses or, or even just some sort of the mentoring opportunities. And until next time, guys.
3: Awesome. Take care, guys. Have a great evening and a
1: And until next time, guys, take care.